is the essential habits that grow healthy Christians. I want to grow as a Christian. I want to be healthy as a Christian. Amen. And so these three things that I have here are non-negotiable. You have to do these if you want to A, grow as a Christian and B, be healthy as a Christian. And the first one is to pray daily. And reading in here, prayer is communication in relationship with God. We need to talk to him as we would talk to any other person. And it's important that we pray aloud to help stay focused. If we do not pray out loud, our mind can easily wander. But when you begin to voice your thoughts, you have a trained thought and focus. And remember, the deeper things of God are found in extended prayer time or extended time with God. And so it's important that we begin to set a goal to gradually reach 30 minutes or more of prayer daily. And it will help to get up an hour earlier than usual and remove distractions to ensure a successful devotion. Um, So when you get up to pray, you want to minimize your distraction. Don't have a phone in the room. Don't have a computer in the room. Be focused and determine that, you know what, I'm going to get up earlier so I can give more time to God without pressure and stress of being in a rush. Mark 135 talks about Jesus praying as the first part of his day. Jesus started his day praying, and I think that would be wise for us to start our day praying. And make this your goal. Talk to God before you talk to people. Philippians 4, 6 says to pray about everything. And everything means everything. Pray to God about your salvation. Pray to God about health. Pray to God about your finances, your emotions, your family, your friends, your enemies. Anything you could possibly think of, you can present it to God in prayer. Matthew 26, 40 and 41, Jesus turns to the disciples and he was disappointed to find that they could not pray with them for an hour or an extended amount of time. And so Jesus is still interested in helping us to grow in an extended time of prayer with him today. And Jesus defeated his sinless flesh with extended prayer. And if we're ever going to defeat our sinful flesh, it's going to be by the same way. Remember, Jesus Jesus was sinless. And for him to struggle with sinless flesh temptation, how much more are we going to struggle with sinful flesh? And the only way Jesus defeated sinless flesh was by prayer. The only way we're going to defeat sinful flesh is by prayer. Second, if we're going to have a a healthy, growing life as a Christian, we need to read our Bible daily. The Bible is the word of God as well as food for our soul. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Just like none of us here, we would not accidentally forget to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner for multiple days in a row. Uh, We wouldn't do that, and we would be very uh, quickly aware of missing a meal. Yet we do that to our soul regularly. We often forget to read our Bible. We often forget to break into the Word of God, which is bread for our souls. And if we notice a difference physically, if we don't eat physical food, we're going to notice a difference spiritually if we're not eating spiritual food. Amen? And so here is a little challenge of to help somebody that does not have a regular routine in Bible reading. You could read through Matthew, Acts, and Proverbs every month. Matthew, you will find the words of God. 
Acts, you'll read about the church of God. In Proverbs, you'll learn about the wisdom of God. It's a map. And these books are profound, but they're easy to read. And each of them have 31 chapters or less in them. And every, every month has 31 days or less in it. And so every day, so today, the 25th, you would read Matthew 25, Acts 25. Proverbs 25. Tomorrow you read Matthew 26, Acts 26, Proverbs 26, so on and so forth. Matthew 22, 29, Jesus said, Ye do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. The biggest mistake we could ever make is not knowing what the Bible says. And if you struggle as an individual knowing or understanding what the Bible is saying, one, you can have a Bible study teacher, but two, Psalm 119 and verse 18 is a tremendous prayer to pray. Here's what that verse says. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Oh, before you read your Bible, open it up and pray that prayer. God, open my eyes so I could see the wonderful things that are in your word. Psalm 119, verse 11, the word of God in your heart will help you to prevent from falling into sin. It says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If you get this word in your heart, God will help you not to fall into that sin and that struggle that you're going through. And the third thing that is an essential habit that will grow healthy Christians is to go to church. It is God's will for you to faithfully attend a church and to have a pastor. The church is full of people whom God has freed from drugs, alcohol, sexual addictions, violence, abuse, so on and so forth. And the people in the church, they will love you and they will help you. And I know some people say, well, you know, uh, the church is full of hypocrites or people are ju- looking at me or judging me. That's not true. But I don't need the church because it's perfect. I need it because I'm not. I'm not perfect. And in the church is full of imperfect people that God is trying to perfect and help make them make it to heaven. And I need to be a part of that. Here there's uh, the statement, uh, don't miss a single Sunday. I like this. What keeps us from church will keep us from heaven. If you want to be educated, go to school. If you want to be healthier, go to a gym. If you want to be saved, go to church. That's what church is designed to do is to help build people's faith, hold them accountable and to edify them as a body of believers together so we can each make our goal, which should be heaven. First Timothy 315 Uh, It says we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. This verse teaches us there's a geographical location where people meet a house of God for believers called the church. Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so don't let what others are doing be an excuse for you to miss what God has for you at church. There's always going to be an excuse or a reason to miss church, but don't give in to it. Just give yourself in attendance to church and you'll never regret it. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it, it talks about account, accountability, how, you know, uh, that a threefold cord is not easily broken. If someone falls by themselves, they're in a pit, they're in trouble. But if someone's with them, they could pick them up out of that pit. People in church can help and guide you. Your chances of survival are slim when you're alone. And so as we go into part one here, 
we're going to talk about this next phase in this Bible study is what Jesus said about salvation. On the flip side of this handout, we're going to go through what Jesus said about salvation. At the top right, it will say part one. And in the left, we're going to start talking about sin, what sin is. Sin, it is crucial to realize that everyone is in the same position, guilty of working against God, heading toward hell, apart from God's grace. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no one here that's perfect. Everyone has sinned. Jesus said, stop sinning or something worse will come as he healed that person in John 5.14. If God begins to do a work in your life, don't stop living for him. Jesus said, Stop sinning or a worse thing will come into your world. God's trying to help you and turn your life around. Galatians five nineteen through 21, reading and learning about sin. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, adultery, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so the scripture is very clear in the New Testament that any type of sin in your life unchecked will keep you from heaven. And there's no sin worth losing out with God for all eternity. Jesus said in John 8, 11, go and sin no more. He didn't say go and sin some more. He said, go and sin no more. Salvation. Salvation. Hell is an eternal destination of torment. Our sins do deserve to go there, but God desires to save us from hell. Thank God for that, right? Matthew 11 or 18, 11 says this. For the son of man has come to save that which was lost. Jesus said his purpose was was to save the lost. Matthew 18, 11 was Jesus speaking, saying his sole purpose was to save people from being lost. Matthew 24, 13, Jesus said, he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And so Jesus is the one that said, those that are saved are those that remain or endure to the end. Salvation is an enduring process, a life continued living for God. Let's read about faith here. And as we learn about what Jesus said about salvation, faith is the first step in our walk with God. It is a firm belief or persuasion, a foundation for receiving what God has planned for us. Second Peter one, five through seven and John eight twenty four, Jesus said, if you believe not that I am he ye shall die in your sins. And so Jesus said, if we don't believe who he is, we will die in our sins. Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and a, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Salvation will not be attained without faith to initiate the process. See also Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace through faith are you saved. Salvation will never be attained 
without faith to initiate the process. And after faith comes obedience. While faith is powerful and necessary, it is powerless without obedience. If we believe in Jesus, we will obey his word and then experience victory over sin. John fourteen fifteen. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus said that love is obedience. How many love Jesus, right? If you love him, keep his commandments. Look at first John two, three through four. Hereby do we know that we know him. If we keep his commands, he who says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Obedience or disobedience to God reveals our relationship with God. We must determine to be faithful. That's so important for us to capture that obedience or disobedience reveals our relationship with God. And so in part two of salvation, what Jesus said about salvation, let's read at the top Acts 237 through 38. Part two of what Jesus said about salvation. Reading in Acts 2, 37, 38, they were pricked in their heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What must we do to be saved was the question. Peter said what Jesus said, identifying three essentials to salvation. The first one in Acts 2, 38 is repent. Repentance is saying, I'm sorry for you fill in the blank, whatever sin it is you struggle with saying, I am sorry for such and such. Then determining never to repeat the sin and begin walking towards God. Luke 13, three, Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now, feeling convicted of sin is a good thing. This is God leading you. To repentance. I know most of us don't like to feel guilty about anything, but feeling guilty about sin is a good thing. It's God working on you. Look at Second Corinthians seven ten. Godly sorrow brings repentance to salvation, but the sorrow of the world brings death. See, conviction in church is not the same as conviction outside of the church from the world. Uh, don't try to cover your sins. Confess them. Audibly admit to God your sins, and he will grant you mercy as you forget, uh, forsake your sins. Look at Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. The second thing that Peter said is what Jesus said, and that is to be baptized. Jesus said to be born again, you must be baptized. To be baptized, you must believe. John 3, 3, Jesus said, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, 5, Jesus said, except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And so Jesus said, as we just read here, that baptism is a part of being born again and saved. 
Peter also clarifies that water baptism is a part of the salvation process. When you read 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21, he talks about Noah's ark and eight souls being saved by water. And he says this example is baptism that does also now save us, not putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Baptism is getting your conscience cleared in that water as God washes away your sins. Ephesians 4, 5 says there's one Lord. One faith, one baptism. The Bible shows only one way to be baptized. The saving power is in calling on the name of Jesus. Look at Acts 4.12 and Acts 22.16. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That name is Jesus. It's the only saving name. Verse 16 in Acts 22, Paul is asked, why tarriest thou? What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The power of baptism is our faith in his name. The original church always baptized with water immersion and in the name of Jesus, not titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You'll never find an example of an actual baptism occurring that is done in such manner. Acts 2.38 says this, Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Acts 8.16 says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 10.48 says he gave orders to them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 19.5, they were baptized in the name of of the Lord Jesus. Every believer, this is without exception, was baptized in the name of Jesus. You could also read Romans 6, 3, Galatians 3, 27, and Colossians 2, 12. Each of those, and when talking about baptism, is administered in the name of Jesus. And the final part of what Jesus said about salvation in part three of this Bible study handout as we read what Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the mission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What must we do to be saved? Peter said what Jesus said, identifying these three essentials of salvation. We talked about repentance, baptism, and now let us look at this third part, the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Said uh, To be born again, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is a separate experience from our belief experience. There's multiple examples in Scripture, but Acts 8, 5 through 18 is one of them, where you have a host of a whole church, a whole city, where people believe, people are baptized in Jesus' name, people have devils come out of them, people are healed physically, people believe in the Word of God, but the Bible says they have yet to receive the Holy Spirit. And so they called for James and John or Peter and John to come down to pray for them to receive the Holy Ghost. And they did as a separate account from their belief, repentance and baptism experience. And so faith and repentance will lead us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Each person, every person that is filled with the Spirit will know because God gives them a sign. The sign he gives is a new unlearned language as they praise and pray unto God. His spirit will lead, guide, comfort, empower, and take us to heaven when we die. John 3, 3 and 5, Jesus said, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except the man be born of water 
and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus did not say simultaneously this happens when you're born of water. He separates those two from one another. Jesus said that being spirit filled is part of being born again and saved. John seven thirty nine. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Acts five thirty two. The Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Luke eleven thirteen. How much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And from these three scriptures, we see that Jesus said the Holy Spirit to everyone that re- that uh, to everyone to receive if they believe. Obey, repent, and ask. That is what John 37 is. He says, everyone that believes should receive. Acts 5.32 is the Holy Ghost is given to everyone that obeys him. Luke 11.13 is given to everyone that asks him. If you want the Holy Ghost, believe, obey, and ask. Mark 16.17, Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe they shall speak with new tongues. Speaking in new tongues is a sign of a believer filled with his spirit. Let's look at some occasions here in Scripture, Acts 2, 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts ten forty five and 46. On the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Acts nineteen six. When Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. In the original church, people who were filled with the Holy Ghost knew they were filled as God enabled them to pray and praise in a new language as God had promised. Read Isaiah 28, 11, 1 Corinthians 14, 21 and 22. It's the prophecy of Scripture where God said, With stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest where God causes the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. And Paul quotes that same Scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, 21, 22, talking about that Scripture, meaning the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. He says, Tongues are for a sign. Acts two thirty eight twenty nine or thirty nine. Peter says unto them, "Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises for you, for your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call." The Holy Spirit is a gift from God, and is for everyone, including you, your family. You simply need to pray and ask to be filled with His Spirit. This is what Jesus said about salvation. And this is why we place so much emphasis on Acts 2.38. For Peter said what Jesus said. Acts 2.38 simply is an outline of Jesus' teaching concerning the plan of salvation. As Jesus taught about repentance for salvation. Jesus taught about baptism as being a part of born again salvation. And Jesus taught about receiving the spirit as a part again of that born again experience of salvation. And so we must do what the Bible has instructed us to do. And that is to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost.